Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Good. Good, Shad. I'm uh, doing better than um, what's-his-dick Pepsi Phil is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say thank you to everybody out there for joining us for this episode. We'll take care of our shout-outs right here at the beginning. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast to save ten percent off your order. The other one's going to be folks in Eastern Kentucky. You're still trying to recover. If you would be willing to help them, go through Apple Shop a p p a l s h o p dot org to help those folks out. And then we pass the ball to Matt. Uh, our final shout out of the day would have to go to Orlando Cologne. Uh, Orlando Cologne guys, a true man doesn't shit talk his coworkers uh <laughs> doesn't whine and complain on social media about them uh a man you could book and not have any fears he would yeah. accept that booking he would not complain about it true man yeah 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 so he's a man we're talking he's about cp such monk, a right? man. what's that we're talking about cp monk right um now cp monk showed up to work uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's been some stuff that's come out here lately, and that's not going to dominate the conversation tonight. But no, if you because to this podcast for a while, it's, you know that none of the three of us particularly like CM Punk, and no, we haven't for a long time. Well, you know what's funny though is um, because he's CM Punk and he can't help himself. We mm-hmm. were actually talking about this before he did his Instagram thing, and um, the funny thing about his Instagram thing is Dave Meltzer didn't even say anything bad about him. Dave Meltzer is even agreeing with his stance. And I think most people, if he wasn't such a raging dickhole, I think most people would have would have agreed with his stance that him doing that job before the pay-per-view was kind of dumb and was going to hurt business, which it did. But it's it's like our friend Justin said, who finally turned on him after the Instagram thing. He's like, yeah. he's like, he might have grievances, but he goes about it in such a terrible way. It kind of just like... It... It like evaporates. Yeah, Justin has been um, Justin's been on on the punk train for a long, long time. And if you are, that's fine. You can be a fan of whoever you want to. Just please understand, we can also not be, and we have our reasons for not being. But it was it's gotten to the point where where even Justin flipped on him. And there was um, I know I sent it to you guys earlier. I, I have to look at it, but. I think it was a uh, a fightful report that said that um, like the last few months they had had positive meetings with Punk about coming back, 
and he'd work with who they wanted him to with the elite or if not and whoever. And then apparently he just had to go and blow it all up. And I am, I am just flummoxed by the decision-making process of a child. Even, even knowing that this guy has a history of taking a blowtorch to things, I am absolutely flummoxed by this decision-making process. Well, I think the problem is, though, and I don't think – I kind of thought he was trying to come back because he realized he made, like, a meme of himself mm. um, on the online space. And, like, I wrote – because I was – I kind of said it. And I don't think we discussed it much. But I was kind of like, he's kind of a lol cow now. <laughs> Some, somebody – pontificated it's like well he i mean he may he may have gotten the dh to wrestle again and obviously there are fans which do adore him uh and i actually think as a, as a wrestler he's perfectly fine i think I mean, the fans that adore him thing is is becoming few and far between with his behavior yeah but the problem is that he is he may he may legitimately want to come back to wrestling but people have also noted it's like well he didn't go out this time on his own terms so he may be like wanting to come back just like, so he can burn them on his own well <laughs> <laughs> I, he may want to go back because it's, it's not this is like the the this shouldn't be like the the end of my story and it's like i can appreciate that but it's like he is a guy who you're right chad it's like i find it just fascinating it's fascinating to me because it's like he can't leave well enough alone like all this time has transpired since the all-out scrum, and it's because like he was injured, but now it's been like what uh, six, seven months, yeah. Uh, and he he's probably at the point where he's recovered or close he's to recovery. Yeah, it's yeah. like in the. So he could, in theory, come back, but and and maybe through discussions he's had with Tony Khan or with AEW or something, like they might have been willing to bring him back and. Maybe the elite is like okay with it, even though like the the Bucks in particular got a very raw deal about things. Yeah. Maybe they're all like okay, fine. Like we'll just come back and do business with him. It's fine if you want to do that. You know, actually have to put us in a program with each other. It's fine. Like we water under the bridge, but like we've fit, like solved our differences, or we could be professionals about it. Okay, but him, he just sits and he he fucking stews about things. Yeah, and it's like he can't he cannot leave it alone. Like it, there is something inside of him that he just he it things gnaw and eat at him. It's like people are going to speculate like, oh, are they going to bring Punk back, etc. But it's like the story had largely like died down. He needs honestly and then he has like to photo fucking Instagram post that he immediately like deletes. But it's like he does that shit. It's like you literally could just sit at home and not say anything. You you yeah. don't. In fact, you don't have to say shit. He he needs he honestly needs he needs to go see a therapist he needs to get on medication like he needs to he needs to do something because there is like he has there's I mean I know people are always like oh self diagnosed but he has severe like what I would call um MC syndrome like main character main syndrome main character syndrome yep um he's got a lot of narcissistic problems and I would say I would say like the way he holds grudges is like unhealthy as fuck. Like mm-hmm. that's not it, like it, that's, that's like 
some of his shit is like straight up sociopathic in how he behaves. It's it's just it's ponderous to me because it's like this is a dude that was out of wrestling for like seven years mm-hmm. to the point where everyone to the extent that wrestling had any more like free agents or big stars that you you wanted to come back and actually mm-hmm. do something. It's like I at this point it's like he is arguably the best of all time in terms of like pro wrestling, uh, like not in ring, like Ric Flair is probably in that discussion, but Hulk Hogan is probably like the biggest wrestling star of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't need to see like 70 year old, like Ric Flair. No, I'm sorry. Maybe he's not 70, but like 60. I don't need, well, I don't need to see Ric Flair anymore, but I don't need to see like 60 something year old Hulk Hogan, like trot him out for raw. Like, Oh, it's, 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 like nostalgia week at Raw. It's like, I don't need to see Hulk Hogan yeah. again anymore. Like that's I'm okay with it. It's okay. You it was know, fine. Like the that. last five times you did that. Yeah, but you're kind of it's kind of you're over it. You're over it. Like, but Punk was like the white wheel. It's like okay, let's get this guy back. He comes back, and he has like a year where he's has he's it's like a successful run. I'm not gonna say it is. Well, let's like, get some let's, shit. Let's, let's, Let's temper that. He was losing his luster by the end. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it, losing your luster and just being like, he was always going to lose his luster in the sense like he's not. Punk has never been like an a needle Austin mover. Type. Yeah, he's not been like an Austin type, but you could still like get value out of him. Well, yeah, there's value and, in him, but I'm saying like, and Meltzer had a clip on this, and he was pretty much just saying like, you know, he was a he was a needle mover when he came back, and that's kind of gone now, so he's not really a needle mover anymore. That doesn't mean he's not an asset to a company. Um, it's just that that like his biggest asset is gone now, which was him coming back and doing shit. Like yeah. that mystique's gone now, and because, and honestly, like he kind of can't do that again because of the way he just went out like as horribly as possible but i think i think the funny thing is we were talking about it before the instagram post and i was really just kind of like well you know if he would do these couple of things i think i'd be fine with him coming back if i was like running the company and then the instagram post happens like oh never mind he can't help himself look i i said it from the beginning i never liked the guy i never wanted him back and now I just kind of gesture and say, this is why I was saying that, you know, I, I, I did not want to hear from, from CM Punk because especially his pre WWE stuff, he seemed like just a miserable person to be around. Oh, he seemed like and a then, miserable prick in the WWE too. And that is not the, the only people that it seemed to talk what speak well of him are people that how can I best put this? You don't really have any choice, but to respect it's like, you're not going to, you're not going to sit there and like, you're not going to tell undertaker. I don't want to work with you. It's like, that's not going to happen. You know, you're not going to look at, um, there are some people you're going to look at and you're not going to, you're not going to say, Oh, you know, I'm not going to do this with you. It's like, no, no, no. You're going to do what everybody else would do and say, oh, man, I've been looking forward to this. I can't wait. And, you know, what? what's happened is he's, you know, he's just kind of done what he does. And 
burned it down behind him. And there's no way, there is no way that, um, you know, he comes back again. People are going to trust him. They're not going to put no. him near anything well, big. And he, he's fucking stuck on this cult story. And Alvarez straight up said, like, do you know where I heard this first? I heard it from fans. Like mm-hmm. that's th- like that that rumor came largely from the fan base, and I'll tell you exactly why that happened. It's because of that stupid fucking rampage match where he wouldn't talk when Colt was in the ring. Yeah, and it's like it's like his it is a direct consequence of his own behavior, and it should tell you something that people believe that. And mm-hmm. I mean, I can understand there being a misunderstanding about that, but like. But like even if, and like, cause I our friend Justin was saying like he thinks the um the Bucks and Tony Khan should have tried to nip that in the bud, but I don't, I don't really think that would have worked because I just think he would have found something else to, to bitch and moan about. Well, it's possible that the Bucks didn't dip that in the bud because they don't like him either. Uh, and but so I mean, I don't know how you get not... that in the bud either, though. If it's coming from the fan base and it's just kind of circulating through wrestlers here and that, like, people how do you just... how do you yeah, stop just... that? People would have just speculated, like regardless. Yeah. Like the Bucks, and, and the problem with Punk is like the Bucks could have been like, no, this is not from us. Uh, and he, if he even believed them, which is like you're expecting a lot out of CM Punk, he would yeah. just said like, oh, okay, all well, fine. Then this is that Chris Jericho started or something. Somebody else, like he would have expect, he would believe someone else did it. When it's like, actually, maybe the fans did, because the the situation is like the fans speculate anyway, because it's like, oh, that's what they do. This guy was part of AEW. You brought in Punk, who he has a beef with, and all of a sudden he's not on AEW anymore. Like mm-hmm. that alone, people would have been like, oh. What happened here? That's something, suspicious. Something. And yeah. I, yeah. I honestly think, I honestly think, if he wasn't like him, he might, and he had stopped and thought about it, he might have said, "Oh, you know, like I don't think they did it for me, but the Bucks kind of did me a favor when they saved his job." Yeah, we're. I'm gonna misput this. We're in this uh, weird space where, let's say, everything happened as best could be conjectured. The whole thing just starts to break. The Bucks approach him and go, look, we don't know where this is coming from, but you need to know it's not coming from us. Number one, like you guys said, he's going to either going to blame it on someone else or number two, I don't think that he would have believed them. No, there's still people that think there's still people that think the elite are feeding like Meltzer Alvarez and like Sean Ross Sapp stuff through intermediaries like they're too stupid to realize who that's coming from like they've all said like we haven't heard a damn thing from any of them yeah they said outright that that's not where this stuff is coming from but and then also let's not forget the amount of stuff that came out from uh the in the immediate following that had things that's like oh well punk feels like this it's like okay who'd this come from well, if it the, didn't come from him directly, it came from he gave it to someone to well, give no, it to them. Well, that's what Meltzer said because well he this this kind of happened when he was he low key called out Dax though as he said like there was there was a podcast and there might be a clip of it out there on YouTube but it's him he pretty much said the Bucks and no one on the Bucks side will talk to me the only people that are talking to me are the punk people who won't leave me alone. 
mm-hmm. because they were trying to spin their side as hard as they possibly could and get like because that's the thing when they did their statements um i don't believe everything the elite said in their statement like how they peacefully came in i think they came in a little hot i don't think they stormed the locker room but i think they came in a little I, a little they, a little they hot came and loud. In, they probably came in heated but they yeah. also came with like the chief like legal yeah. officer of the company so the whole thing where it's like they kicked in the door it's like yeah, no, no. I, I i almost guarantee that that didn't happen well, yeah. well here here's where here's where, where my thing is though i feel like the buck story is probably like 80 to 90 percent the truth with you know just their point of view shading a couple things incorrectly but their statement was put out and it's never changed Punk's side has changed like six times yeah. And it changed like, oh, my dog was hurt, like, oh, this and oh, that just to try and find something that would gain traction. And um, that when when that happens, when someone's doing that, that tells me you're lying and that you're in the wrong. Mm-hmm. Because because that's because like especially like when you're talking about like criminal stuff, that's usually a sign of guilt, like not always, but sometimes usually people that that have their story and it's not change are mostly telling the truth and when i say mostly telling the truth sometimes people do unintentionally lie because our memories suck as people yeah you want to know what like one of the worst pieces of evidence you can have in a lot of cases is eyewitness testimony because we suck at remembering stuff yeah you can use eyewitness testimony in corroboration with other things but by itself it's notoriously unreliable yeah Okay, so are we going to stay on this all night, guys? No, or are we gonna... we're going to go right. to – so yeah. we have a bit of a game for you this week. <laughs> Sorry, so... I don't mean to cut it off, but it's yeah. one of those like it's going to be talked to death everywhere. Well, we're going we're gonna to go back right into it pretty quick. But So we're going to do <laughs> Would You Rather. So this is a bit of a, a game. So we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I, I have devised a card for the night with two wrestlers pitted against each other, and each of us are going to pick who we would rather take. For any reason, it can be as arbitrary as we want. Even down to, eh, I just don't like the guy. So, okay. I have six matchups for us for the evening. So, let's, since we've been on the topic, um, so our first one is going to be the Battle of the Malcontents Shawn Michaels <laughs> versus What's His Dick Pepsi Phil. <laughs> and I'll start us off. I'm going to actually take Pepsi Phil because he's. I just don't like Shawn Michaels and Shawn Michaels is like a proven failure over and over again. It's like a business draw and like punks at least like a net neutral in most cases. I am going to take Michaels in this case. And the reason that I'm going to do this is I'm going to point to that, um, that uh, mid aughts run that he did where he did a lot of really good stuff with a lot of people uh, there seemed to be a lot of water under the bridge, like lots of things working out, doing fantastic stuff with lots of guys. Like he was doing a great also uh, embarrassing Hulk Hogan for Hulk Hogan trying to throw his weight around and sabotage what was supposed to be like a three match angle. Yeah, but they, um, he also was instrumental in burying the entire spirit squad to the point that I think only Dolph Ziggler still in the business. I mean, yes, but I am – when I compare the two, I would still rather – and also I think that Michael's in-ring work is superior. Oh, Michael's in-ring work is superior. I would say Punk is a better promo though. 
I'm not I'm not hiring, you know, I'm hiring Shawn Michaels for his ring work. The I'm not hiring for the his promo stuff, so I'm just saying that, that that's the counterbalance. I think Michaels gives you better in ring, but Punk gives you better better promos. Yeah, I mean you may very well be right, but I also I can reasonably guess at what's gonna happen with Michaels if he goes off the rails. You mean getting beat up by 452 Marines and I believe um, hmm. Jet Jaguar? 453. Oh, okay. I never remember what we said the last time it's a joke, so I, I, I'm sure it's been higher in the past. I mean, it, to be honest with you, wh- basically all that I do is I just add one to whatever you just said. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I would, be taking, I would be taking Michaels for that one. I... Uh... I don't know if I, I think that I am legally required uh, to to not pick Shawn Michaels because a friend of the show, Justin, would be very very angry. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, he is a uh, unabashed Bret Hart fan, uh, as he should be. Bret Hart is fantastic. Well, yeah. uh, I uh, I would probably also take Pepsi Phil. Uh, I I agree with you in the sense that. Shawn Michaels, I feel, is like way better in the ring, like, and I also feel like, I know it, it, it's somewhat not fair because 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 uh, Punk was off for like seven years, but Michaels was off for a while. When he came back, I actually feel like arguably some of his best work was when he came back mm-hmm. from his back injury and and had, did had that mid aughts like run. Mm-hmm. Like I think that might have been like his best in ring work. Yeah, but because overall, he he hmm. had to like he's he had to think more, I think. Well, he stepped up, he did more, you know, he, I'll point to his match with um with Shelton Benjamin during that Gold Rush tournament. That was fantastic. Yeah. Is that the one that he gave like that's the one best where he, music ever? Yeah, that's one yeah, where yeah. Shelton did that springboard right into one and it was amazing. Yeah, yeah it was it was great. Uh and plus, like Shawn Michaels had, uh, even even if you feel like you don't know, like Shawn Michaels, like Shawn Michaels had again, what to me one of the best Mania moments where he retired Ric Flair. Yeah, that I, was. You have to air quote retire because I mean. Right, right, right. Because it's Ric Flair. Now in the yeah. negative, his matches with Triple H were terrible, except for yeah. one. Like, and they got progressively worse. They actually, this is actually in the the Shawn Michaels um, negative. They actually killed the Columbus market for about a decade. With that wow. hell in the cell that was just terrible. Like I know I know multiple people that went to that pay per view and were like, I haven't gone to a show since, like years after the fact. Like because it was so terrible. Like they didn't even use the cage yeah. on that show. So they actually did kill Columbus for multiple years for like the a pay per view. I, I also since I remembered it now, like I also I actually felt like Michaels was surprisingly decent for a guy that had been retired and came back when you remember the, the really horrible uh, tag team match that he and Triple H had with Kane and Kane Undertaker. and Taker. Oh God. Yeah, that was yeah. not good. And Is that it, the it, one where it, Triple H like tore his yeah. pectoral And that match, yeah. that match in general, like should not, that, that match went like 30 minutes or something like that. And it's yeah. like, well, it's not a, it's remotely tri- gone that way. It's because Triple H always has to work long and he's not good at it. He's never been good at working long, but he and always it's, needs. It's, Triple H was always like basically self-masturbatory with all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
we talk about i mean we make jokes about how like oh seth rollins like i need to get my shit in stuff like that nobody did that worse i feel like than than triple h <laughs> i have to get my stuff in well it's because <sighs> triple h because the thing is you can argue at some level that seth rollins is a good wrestler like triple h has never been better than being above average for brief stints in his career and um and I would largely argue that was for 2000 into 2001 in his quad tear. And then mm. he's been mediocre the entire rest of his career. I actually – people – this is going to be a contentious statement that people aren't going to like. And I'm talking mm-hmm. about like different matchups than, <laughs> than the one we're actually supposed to be talking about. But to me, maybe not in terms of like influence in the business or marking the business, legacy, but – because uh, I actually just watched like a couple uh, a dynamite from a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. Jeff Jarrett versus Orange Cassidy. Yeah, and which is a good I actually say it's a it's a really good match, and that's largely because of Orange Cassidy. But it's like I would personally rate Jeff Jarrett way better than Triple H as an in ring performer. He gets, like Jeff, yes. Jeff Jarrett was has been better for thirty years. Jeff Jarrett is like fifty five and is still working and still looks good yeah. in the ring. He's um I, the thing is he gets he gets a bad rap for things that I think are a little overstated. Like yes, his world title runs in TNA were kind of annoying, but if you go back, it's only for the first couple years and um I think largely I understand in hindsight that the company probably actually survived because they could put their world title on someone they could trust. Um, and I know, I know people don't like the Raven thing and I, I agree that was a bad choice at the time, but like, I kind of get it. But even like, if you look at like his rookie stuff, he's good as a rookie. Like he's better than Triple H was in like 95 and 96 as a rookie. Yeah, he's, he's good, but and go he knows back, it, like, it, that... it, I think why the Orange Cassidy thing works though, is because he bumps well, he's a good base. Like he understands his role. Mm. It's a. I encourage people to try and watch that match because it's mm-hmm. just it's a really compelling performance by Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Because it it that that match more than anything else like dawned to me. It's like they Orange Cassidy clearly is like a merch mover, but I don't I I don't I don't I don't study the ratings, but maybe he like moves ratings too. All I know is like they legit have like a, a, a breakout star in orange Cassidy, which is not really surprising because given how good he is, but it's like mm-hmm. they have something with him that, that if you, if you go from like when he debuted an AEW to now, yeah, it's like the, the actual like trans morphing, the transforming of his character from basically just like comedy gimmick to there's still comedy there, but he's actually presented like, fairly seriously and that he, he just goes in the ring mm-hmm. uh, which, people, it's, it's, which it's I, I hate when people like Cornette still complain about him it's like do you I, like tell me you haven't watched an Orange Cassidy match in three years without telling me yeah. you haven't watched an Orange Cassidy match in three yeah, years that, that is exactly what I think whenever I hear that it's fascinating but to go back to the, the matchup at hand um, I think that Shawn Michaels is a better in-ring performer uh, but I would probably pick Pepsi Phil, and oh, that's because and, and that's because like I think that promo he's better. Uh, I think as a as a character he's more compelling. I think he can get you more invested in stuff, even though he's his own worst enemy. Yeah. But I find him more interesting. I think that 
he's more compelling as a character. I also got to throw out, like, I'm sorry if you think that Shawn Michaels is a good booker. Like, I'm, I would strongly disagree yeah. with you. Like, I'll I think his, his his run for the last, like, year or so uh, as booker of, like, NXT has been, like, terrible. Also, um, one speaking of Jeff Jarrett, one of Shawn Michaels' best matches of his career was entirely called by Jeff Jarrett, like, making him work a Memphis match. Yeah. Um. I, I'm not arguing about the Booker thing, but again, that's not what I'm hiring him for. So, you know, I'm like, eh, that, I, that's. You got me stuck on Jarrett, though, because we've watched a couple of his matches. I think it was with Diesel and with Mongo. Yeah. And those matches where Diesel and Mongo really weren't doing a ton. It's just Jeff Jarrett, like, running around, pinballing, like, doing all this stuff around them to make, like, the match good. Like, really up to my respect levels for, like, what he does. Mm-hmm. How can I best put this? The thing that bugs me about Jeff Jarrett is because, you know, uh, the late WCW run also put a real sour taste in my mouth. You put his late WCW run in place with the TNA thing. It's like, yeah, I, I admit I soured on him pretty hard. Yeah. Um. On the other hand, um, his skill in the ring has never been in question. The guy is very clearly excellent at what he's doing. I'm just, I don't, it, it's hard for me to shake that. Watching him strut around in NWO colors in late two, you know, late nineties and early two thousands WCW, like he's. Like, you know, he's king shit when I'm like, dude, you, um, you know, you, uh, uh, you're the only person in the main event slot because everybody else is gone. Um, you know, that really, that, that really, um, did not favor me to him. But, and so I get apprehensive when I, like, I'm watching that casting match going, don't you dare, don't you dare do it. But the match itself is fantastic. He just seems there to get the the big guy like some help. Yeah, he's he's helping Sotnam with that. Yeah, but he's better than almost, by the way. Yeah, much. Um, I'm take I'm still taking uh, Shawn Michaels because I know what I'm hiring him for. I'm not trying to get him to do stuff that he's not good at doing. I, I know full well who he is, who I'm getting, and what I'm doing with him. Uh, whereas CM Punk has the potential to blow things up with people who aren't even doing stuff with him. So. Okay, so let's take our let's take our undercard match next then. So, Brad Armstrong versus Marty Jannetty, which I don't know. This is a tough one. There's a couple tough ones coming up on this. I'm taking Brad Armstrong um, because. Brad Armstrong pretty consistently had work, even if it didn't seem like he was doing a lot. Also, even in the era of social media, did not seem to go bonkers crazy. Yeah, I was with stories. Say, <laughs> I, I think that I think for me, I, I would go Brad Armstrong because I think I think you get a higher ceiling with Marty Jannetty. Like when he randomly came back and had that awesome like SmackDown match with Angle or someone, and then got a yeah. job and blew it up. But, like, you can actually depend on Brad Armstrong to show up to work and to not, like, hmm. do drugs. 
yeah at least do drugs to the point where it affects his professionalism okay yeah that's that's fair i don't know what brad armstrong was into on the side i just know it didn't affect the on screen okay i uh i think i'd probably agree with you brad like i i i I actually would probably totally agree i I do think that marty jenny has like had like a like a higher ceiling he has better moments too because he has he has the raw where he came back and won the ic title he has um the the window and there's probably a couple of rockers things like that, you know, that were really memorable and like big moments, but you know, that's interspersed with his other problems. Yeah. Yeah. I think he had a higher ceiling like, and, and you could, you could probably use him either as a tag team, like as, as a good tag team, or you could use him as a singles and he actually, I mean, he did pretty well, but I think you're right. Like that, he's a guy that's like maybe you have the higher ceiling. You could have bigger moments with him, but it's probably going to be for a much shorter duration because Marty is going to Marty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he's still doing that. Like it's been a few mm-hmm. years. Uh, he did something I, in the last recently, well, the yeah. First, yeah. yeah. The first, the first mania that I went to, I've been to three. The first mania I went to was like 2016. Uh, it was the one in Dallas, like the first time. Mm-hmm. And Marty was there, and Marty just like at the he was at the hotel that like all the indie wrestlers were staying at, and he just he just went crazy like he was just he got tanked and was doing oh, man. Marty Jannetty things at like the hotel bar. <laughs> so he was less well behaved than Teddy Hart. That that really says a lot. Uh, uh Teddy Hart, I think was he wasn't teddy hart wasn't killing girlfriends at the time uh, yeah at the time. yeah yeah that's so true. so yes i think he was I, just smoking weed on the roof with his cats yes that actually did happen um i would i would choose brett armstrong because brett armstrong i think was like overall he's a good hand like he didn't i would feel like brett armstrong because he did a whole show on him like he, he was good arguably didn't live up to his potential uh as for as good as he was but that's not entirely his fault he he just like came in like weird, came in like a weird era. I know like he, I he came around about ten years too early. Yeah, yeah, I mean I I did that whole game where it's like you take old school wrestlers, put them in the modern era, modern era wrestlers to the old school. Like if we if he play that game with Brad Armstrong, basically, like if Brad Armstrong had been in the aughts, uh, and that's when his career started, like he would have probably been like a good hand. And made a name for himself in like Ring of Honor, and he probably would have like at least a solid mid card job somewhere mm-hmm. uh, in one of the bigger promotions. Even if he's in like even if he, even if he was like with Impact, it's like okay, yeah. Like he would he would have been drawing. He probably would have still been drawing a, a good paycheck nowadays. Yeah, I mean he worked for WCW for like forever, so I think yeah. he did okay pay wise. Um, okay, so we're gonna let's see. Let's see. Do I want to do the tough one next? Yeah. Let's. Okay. So we're gonna go. We're gonna go really controversial and really tough for the next one. And um, I might surprise you with who I'm going to pick. I don't know. I have to think about it still. But uh, Ric Flair versus Terry Funk. Ooh. Because here, here's where I think this one's interesting. So you have probably. I mean, they're both goat level guys. But you have yeah. a guy that had a super high-end run 
megastar, but you have a guy on the other end that adapted across like multiple eras of wrestling and stayed a major star through. I mean, Flair did, Flair did too, but Terry reinvented himself as part of the process. Yeah. See, I haven't seen like barely any of Terry when he was younger and when he was like NWA champion, like any of his, like he's like your bog standard wrestler. like pre like basically like pre like mid 80s stuff of terry funk like i haven't really seen almost any of that and i think that he i've heard that he was like amazing he was like fantastic uh and i don't i don't disbelieve that i just i haven't seen it so i can't say right Um, i do think it's fascinating because yes he did like reinvent himself and of course became like hardcore legendary funk Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Like I, I, I personally feel like Ric Flair is. I probably pick Ric Flair, but I, I almost feel bad saying that. Uh, and for those who have not uh, watched the um, Ring into Focus uh, show that I that I did on Open Airlock channel, Open Airlock Policies YouTube channel, because mm-hmm. we talked about. Ric Flair, and we kind of covered like Ric Flair, and uh, like that one. I we talked about like the documentary he did. Uh, Ric Flair, I really do think that Ric Flair as a wrestler, one of the best of all time, arguably the best wrestler of all time in ring. Mm-hmm. As a person, it's much less so. Like Ric Flair had, yeah, hor- horrible demons, and I have not heard that about. Terry Funk. Terry Funk seems like he's a pretty, pretty even healed. Yeah, pretty pretty decent person, all things considered. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I would choose Ric Flair, but that's with the caveat that Terry is also like amazing. From what I've seen, that's again, that's like the latter part, like the latter half of his career. I feel he's amazing. Yeah. And I've heard that he was better at the first half of his career. Right. So here I sit trying to determine between them and I'm like, uh, I don't know who to pick. Right. And so I'm going to try and pivot and think of this from a promoter standpoint. What am I going to be doing to try and, um, you know, for who I'm going to deal with, who am I, who am I, who am I going to put up with? that I am I'm paying, right? Mm. And honestly, I'm probably going to pick Terry Funk because there'd be less hassle. I'm not going to have harassment lawsuits with Terry Funk. You know, I'm not going to even even if there aren't any lawsuits, I'm not going to have to walk backstage and worry about seeing Terry Funk helicoptering and only his robe <laughs> or something like that. It's just like I don't I don't need this. Um, you know, who, who do I want? Who do I want on my shows? I want guys who are going to show up, who are going to work, who are going to do a good job, and they're not going to cause problems. That's that's really what I want. And yes, I am committing heresy by saying that, um, of the best of all time, I am taking the other guy. Mm-hmm. But it's I, it's really hard for me splitting hairs on this, and the fact that Flair. 
I mean, if I compare their entire careers to each other, Ric Flair's last match everything, I was just, I was just almost horrified with, because I was just like, no, 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 don't be doing this, Rick. Oh, my God. Like, you know, it's it's painful. It's 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 scary to watch because I don't know when Ric Flair is going to just tip over and die. Right. So who am I going to pick? I'm probably going to end up picking Terry Funk here because I think that it's going to go better in 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 general if I pick Terry Funk than if I pick, um, you know. Damn near, you know, if I pick Ric Flair, yeah, I'm going to have amazing in-ring product, but uh, all this stuff I'm going to have to deal with backstage. I think I'd rather have Terry. That's interesting. You're, you're almost like approaching it. Like you're the booker. Yeah. It's like, who's going to be the bigger egg for me? Yeah. Yeah. Rick or Terry. Um, I feel like I'd still, I'd still pick Rick, but I, I get what you're saying. Like Terry was less, seemed less of that. And you, in the grand scheme of things, you might have like better return with Terry in the sense that you, it's a guy that you could have employed probably for like a decade. Yeah, yeah. I actually want to do a game, a, t- a spinoff of this game down the road of Terry Funk versus the field, essentially. Uh-huh. And it's pretty much, is there anyone in the world of wrestling you would take over, in the history of wrestling that you would take over Terry Funk? Well, I, I chose... Ric Flair, but well, I mean, but I mean, yes, I, I think I think there would be a few guys I would take over Terry Funk, but I'm best I'm guessing it would ultimately be less than ten and possibly less than five. Well, uh, I'm not trying to play your game right now, but for example, if you were like Terry Funk or Cactus Jack, it's Terry like Funk. we could sit there and we could debate like the I. For content, obviously we could debate the plus and minuses of both, but yeah, I probably would. I, I what well, probably I would pick I would pick Terry. Like I think I think for me, like if you're talking about who I would take over Terry, like it's we're talking flares in a conversation, Bachwinkles in the conversation, Mizawa, like Kawada, Kabashi, Lawler maybe. If um, we're having to take like historical context into this. Then I would throw Luthez on that. Yeah, I, I I guess for me I have I've only seen a couple of Fez matches, um, but yeah, like even like their dad, you know, um, and and you know Noki and Baba I'm not huge on the Destroyer maybe I would I would have a conversation in my head about, but I've seen I've seen more Destroyer than a lot of people well i guess um if we want to bring the women into it you know aja kong and dump matsumoto okay but i mean i think i i need to get like a comp of her but i mean i think i think i could legitimately at some point consider dump matsumoto to be the greatest heel of all time just from like the bits and pieces i've seen of her and how just fucking terrible she is she's she's legit a terrifying human being like i haven't even remotely seen a lot of her but i've seen her do shit that it's like psychopathic yeah if that shit was being done by someone in a modern era you'd be like oh that's like horrible deathmatch stuff like why why are they doing that it's like i saw i saw her like 
take a knife and literally stabs one in the fucking arm. I'm like, yeah. what the? F-? I saw that. I think I said to you guys, I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's it is horrible. No, was she one of the ones who would come out? She'd come out like a jacket with fucking swastikas on no, it. No, she had like a swastika like drawn on her forehead for a lot of it. It's like I get that you you're trying for like the easy cheap heat, but it's like damn, this is yeah, yeah. that's uh that but, might be a bit much. But where I where I think though. What still stands out to me, and I think it's going to be something I'm going to go to my grave, like being in one of my top moments of wrestling ever, is when we were watching that Bull Nakano match, and she just hands her a kendo stick, and it's just like, let's fucking get nuts. And they just start going to town on each other. Like, what kind of a, what kind of a sadistic person are you that you literally hand your opponent a weapon and invite yeah. them to attack you with it? Like, I mean, that's, that's like a whole... To me, that was just like a different level of like wrestling that I'd never quite seen before. Yeah. Um. I don't. I haven't seen enough of her to really have an opinion on that. I just know the first like that was the first match I'd really seen her, and like that impression of her is like just seared into my brain because you take one look at her and you're just like, ooh, like. Yeah. Like. That's yeah. She's a she's a malignant force of evil in the world. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Uh, I'm going to. I want to take Terry Funk, but I want to be a wuss and take Ric Flair too. Yeah, I'm still. Uh, I'm still sticking with uh, with Terry just just in general like all of the stuff at play here yeah i'm just gonna end up taking taking terry so. i think i'll take terry i'll be i'll be wild and take terry <laughs> okay so the next Not one, how i would have expected that to turn out to be honest with you there's a lot about terry though that like the more you think about him like there's a lot of understated like pure greatness to terry funk hmm and even like I think, and I also think like the the empty arena match with Lawler, like there's just so much like great stuff he did during that match. That is, yeah, that is great. Mm-hmm. Just because he's so off the chain, like crazy man. Now, the next one, the next one I picked is directly to fuck with Shad. <laughs> God. Because and he's he wasn't thrown. Out. So the next one is Dustin Rhodes versus Diamond Dallas Page. Self high five. So I'll start this one off. Um, obviously, Diamond Dallas Page was like a main eventer and stuff, but the longevity that Dustin Rhodes has had and just like how good he is at like the actual wrestling part of things, I think I have to take Dustin Rhodes. Because the more I see of Dustin Rhodes, like the better he is. Like we, we've talked about numerous times how it was a silly thought. I mean, it's, it's a thought I'd had for a long time, but people used to, like, say, really fight you if you said Dustin Rhodes is better than Triple H. And it's become conventional wisdom over the last 15 years. Like, that's completely cool. reversed itself for um for an opinion. And I just think we've, we've talked about it with the WCW stuff, but he just has good offense. He really knows how to, like, time his stuff out. Yeah. Watching some of the stuff from like uh, from '92, 
yeah, it's like it, it's, it's kind of a shock at how good he was so early. Uh, and I do feel like he has been consistently good for like the last like basically thirty years. Uh, I I would probably choose Justin Rhodes over DDP, and I I, I think DDP is like actually like very underrated for how good he was. Uh, I, I think he really was quite good. Um, and I think he deserves more credit, uh, for being like a really, he held his weight in my opinion in late nineties, WCW and got a raw deal. And like the WW. Oh, he got a terrible deal. So stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And, he even got their stupid. More. What pissed me off with that is he got their stupid, um, self-help guru thing over. Yeah. Which was a great promo because that woman is doing that promo. He's like, hi, Stacy, and I want to touch you, too. Yeah. And then, like, it got over, but then they buried him because he got it over. Yeah. Yeah. I I would choose – choose Dustin, although – because I think he's been, like, consistently good. And he still is putting on, like, amazing matches. And, and he was off the charts good, like, when <clears throat> Book Dust was happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I still I, love the the set where he's like stalking Booker T in like the Seven Eleven. <laughs> Again, uh, I think I mentioned this on the show, uh, but at the Death Valley Driver message board years yeah. ago, uh, DVD board uh, a board frequented by Tony Khan. <laughs> yeah, wrestling uh, sleeves, baby. Yeah, there was a serious discussion during the during that time during the time <laughs> of like the wrestling sleeves uh, thread era. There was a serious discussion uh, who was better, uh, Dustin Rhodes or Triple H. And this is like a, a this is a discussion that happened like probably 20 50, years ago. Yeah, probably about 20 years ago. Yeah. Who's better, Dustin Rhodes or Triple H? And Dustin Rhodes in that debate was winning. And I don't think it's wrong. Like Dustin Rhodes has been like a fantastic performer. I think I think if that conversation happened again, it would be like a unanimous blow away of Dustin. Mm-hmm. So here I am. Also, Roman but, Reigns spearing him through the guardrail, guardrails in that tag title match with the Rhodes versus uh, yeah. Shield was fucking badass. He took it like a champ. Yeah. So here I am trying to make a decision between two of my all timers. And you guys are all absolutely correct um, about Dustin and his longevity and his ability. And uh, you are you are spot on with that. And if I'm comparing the two, I, I liked both of their ring work a lot. I loved, you know, DDP, DDP and Sting were my guys in that era of WCW, you know, I love the diamond cutter so much that I stole it to use as a finish. Where do I draw the line? And so I have to – the best I can come up with is I have to say what what is their their all-time career stuff, like if I'm comparing the two. And yes, Dustin has been at it for a long, long, long time and has consistently – with the exception of one gimmick in TNA, been very good. And then I've got to turn and look at what DDP has been doing with guys post-career. And 
what he did with Jake and what he did with Scott Hall and and all that sort of stuff. Hey, and Jericho got, credits him too. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know it, this this it feels like I'm copping out, but Paige's post ring work has been so important. It has been so such a big deal for so many people. Even just just guys who are wrestlers. Even if even, I'm not I'm not speaking to people who who uses pro you know everyday folks who use this program. Which by the way, I think it's great that they do. Don't mishear me. But if I've got to compare, you know, in in a wrestling setting, then I'm looking at this and I'm going, I've that's what's going to tip the balance to page for me. And this is like, this is, it's, it's tough. This is a very tough choice for me. Can I, can I add to your pro page side real quick? Uh, I'm all for it. He has the best story in the first Foley book where they smash the cookies up in his <laughs> bed. Cookies. Yes. Um, and then who was he jumping on? Was he jumping on Austin? It was, no, it was, it was Foley. And he's like, can you stop? I don't remember what their response was that pissed him off even more. And so you got to stop rub, rubbing your naked ass yeah. all over me. But Foley also says he got the best night's sleep with Paige because he like locked that room down and like some no light could get in. Yeah, he, he thumbtacked the, um, the curtains to the frame and, and put a towel under the, uh, under the bathroom door and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And that was Austin was the other one that was. Yeah. OK, yeah, I thought so. Because Foley and Austin would do common page would tape his matches and watch him to see what he could do better. And Foley and Austin would sit there and do commentary over the recordings. And he page had said, if I still had those, I can make so much money off of having mankind and stone cold commentating on my, you know. Mid 90s WCW yeah. matches. Um, but that that's my that's my favorite. Other than um, other than them fucking with the blue meanie at the after the Britney Spears concert in the second oh, book. Oh God, that's I I have to laugh at that because I mean they they handled that just right. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm in this spot where it's like eh. I am I am splitting hairs with a razor blade here, but I'm I've got to say Paige. So I thought that's the direction you'd go. You, you guessed that one. Yeah. Did you guess the why? No, because I I didn't know how you were gonna. I thought the I thought where the I thought you might go because he got higher up the card, but I thought you were gonna have to figure out. Like I thought I thought the the sticking point with you is gonna be the just the overall quality of Dustin's work and like the longevity of his like career. And you've been really taken yeah, with him during it, the dangerous Alliance too. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's looking back on everything Dustin has done and how consistently good he is and the, how he did it. Like I, I know I've probably beaten this into the ground repeatedly but the uh, doing more with less thing that he consistently did over and over and over again just you know having great matches while not killing himself and having you know what 
four or five just staggeringly good-looking spots that he would use. He used his length really well, too, like his size and everything. He really got yeah. a lot out of. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's 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 tough. It's really, really tough, but... Uh, and and I wish two thing. I wish I had emulated Dustin in two ways. One, the finding drop to your knee, punch to the jaw. I mean that's a great spot. But what I was going with was the um, the first of all doing that offense the way he did it, like having a few really great spots that weren't killing him to do, but still looked great. And then also being willing to do comedy and and ham it up and goof around a little bit, which I think probably would have helped me a lot because that seems like it'd be a better uh, – that would have been a better fit for my personality than trying to be super serious all the I time. I still remember him and Ron Killings playing Pokemon Go. Because <laughs> I think someone was shocked because they're like – they're asking about that. And he's like, no, I fucking love Pokemon. Like I was having so much fun doing that. Yeah. So. And him, um, a... I loved when him and Booker were doing the movie reviews. I think they only yeah. did it a couple times, but. They did, but it was still fun. Yeah. So it's it's a. Uh, you know, it, it's a tough split, but that's that's where I'm coming down on it. OK, I think that's I think your justifications are good. So let's see. Uh, do we want to do a controversial one that's going to be tough, or do we want to do the less tough one first? Uh, let's do the less tough one first, since we just came off right. a tough one. So okay. we're going to do Eddie Kingston versus Shane Douglas. Oh, um, okay. I'm going to process out loud for a second, because this is... Wow, this is actually tougher than you might say... Shane Douglas helped redefine, um, honestly, with the Attitude Era being a takeoff of um, ECW. Shane Douglas, which is a takeoff of Memphis, really, which we've yeah, learned. but he helped he helped redefine or helped define a whole era of wrestling, right? Yeah, he helped like make this this whole like the whole Attitude Era. He helped make that and he did it by being a really really good promo and he treated the nwa like they deserve to be treated by the way yeah um really good promo really good ring work and then god friend of the show christy patrol is going to kill me um even with all of that being said i've got to compare the two and i like eddie kingston's ring work more and I fully acknowledge how good Shane Douglas is on the mic. Shane Douglas is really good, but I like I just like Eddie more across the board. I just like him more. I think and, um, I think I was mulling this over, and I think I'm kind of in your thought space with it. There's just um, there's something that there's something with the way Eddie presents himself that just clicks better with me. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's because 
I think it's because Eddie and I are probably like I'm a couple years older than Eddie, so I think like it's just a generational reason that maybe I like he and I like we connect better. Yeah. Because like you know. And I think, I don't know. And, you know, I've just seen a lot of Eddie's career. Like, he, Eddie is good at being a star. Even when he was on the indies and, like, smaller promotions, like when he was um, the Chikara champion, like, he was really good at being the champion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his ring works better than Shane's because, and it's something that, it's on YouTube for free. If you haven't watched it, and Justin, I'm talking to you. If you haven't watched it yet, go watch it after <laughs> this. But that Mike Quackenbush versus Eddie Kingston match at um, High Noon is one of the best matches of the last decade. It is really good. And it's it's a lot to do with him, but that that is an excellent match. And um, he his match with Jericho last year was really good. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I think I can sum up, if I was going to sum everything up, everything that Shane Douglas does, and bear in mind, he does well. I like how Eddie does it more. That's fair. That's, I think, what I would say. Matt, that's, what do you think? That's basically where I would be. Like, I I guess I'm different in the sense that a lot of people have, like, uh, the nostalgia for ECW, which is, like, the, the predominant thing of, of Shane Douglas' career. That's yeah. what is most notable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying that he wasn't good in ECW, because I think he was. Uh, and he does have qual- good qualities. Like he's not a bad wrestler. He uh, had a good look, and he was good on the in the mic. Uh, but I personally find Eddie Kingston better for I, those reasons. Like, like everything you said, like he's. I think that everything Shane Douglas does, Eddie Kingston does better, or I like it better. I don't actually like Shane Douglas's entering much, but my I'm going to I'm going to mulligan him on that because a lot of his stuff that I've seen in ECW isn't good, but also his opponents tend to not be stellar. Yeah, fair. See, I'm not even. I I recognize that Douglas is good, even if it's not a style that I'm particularly drawn to. You know, the same thing I say about Omega and the Bucks. Like, I recognize they're good. It's just I don't love their style. Um, so uh, Douglas is in a similar spot. I. I recognize how good he is, but I don't love it. I see how good Eddie is, and I, brother, I'm there for it. So, yeah, it, it, I, I, I watch wrestling a lot, I, and I'm, I'm more invested in wrestling, or at least the stuff that I like, or in trying mm-hmm. to get into, like Joshi wrestling. I, I'm more invested in it in some ways than I have been in since I started watching it as a kid, like 30 years ago. That said, like there there are few people that I could point to that I could be like this guy. Not just like, not I, there's a lot of guys I'm interested in. Like I like their work. Like I like watching them. You know things like like Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy is like yeah I like that guy. Like he's I think he's a good worker. He's improving a lot. Like he's like the he in some ways he's like the future of AEW. Like yeah, but in terms of actually like quote-unquote moving the needle for me yeah like there's not a lot of guys but there are a few guys that i can say like oh this guy i'm emotionally invested in like i want to see basically their name on the on the the card 
mm-hmm. that will like get me to buy the show if it's like a you know a pay per view, even if it's just like a fight TV pay per view. Yeah, they, they have my interest because this guy is on the show. I want to see what this person does. Yeah, I want to see if they're like even like just cutting a promo. And there again, there are a few people that are like that, but Eddie Kingston is one of them. Like Eddie Kingston, like I'm compelled by basically everything the guy does. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would choose Eddie. I, I also think I have an investment in Eddie because. There was a point, um, this is well before AEW, this is probably like 2015, 2016, someone on a message board asked, why isn't Eddie Kingston a bigger star than he is? And I was the first responder, I could probably still go find this thread somewhere, and my response was, because he's a drunken fuck-up, Is um, was my response back yeah. then. Um, so, like, the redemption arc also, like, invests me heavier in him, because it's nice to see a guy that had talent that... I quote called a drunken fuck up at one point in my life to see him like doing so well. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, I don't think that he's like a drunk anymore, but I mean, he still wants to be a fuck up. Yeah. That's the thing. You could ask that you can answer the question. Like, why isn't, why isn't Eddie right now bigger than he is? Like, why haven't they, why isn't Tony Khan like put a title on him? Uh, And I, I could, I could ask that question, but I think the answer is apparent. It's like he, he, Eddie just fucks up. Like yeah. he had that fight with Sammy uh, Guevara, and it's like he shouldn't have done that, and he had to deal with the suspension for that. And since then, he hasn't really done much of anything. Um, He's like um, Ricky Bobby's dad in Talladega Nights to steal a shad um, <laughs> thing. He looks around and everything's good. He's like, I have a really strong feeling to fuck this up right now. Yeah, <laughs> this is a warm fuzzy moment. I'm really feeling like ruining. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. Like he's the. He's he's the main event with, with Claudio for the upcoming Ring of Honor show, which uh, has some stuff on it that I think could eclipse Mania even in terms of yeah. actually like the matches. Some of the matches are going to be like yeah, it's a it's a juicy card and the TV's been pretty good so far. Uh, I I guess is it a taping? I'm not sure if it's like live or whatever. Uh, Brad, I don't know if you saw it, but this oh, the Athena I, versus um oh fuck who is Any Sakura? Oh yeah, that's um it's probably well I don't I haven't seen the taping. It might be live. Uh, I looked for like spoilers and I didn't see them. So and it's probably I, from Universal, I'm guessing. I don't know, but I know I, last week was their last taped. It's episode. in my opinion too early for Athena to lose. I think she's she's maybe on the best run. Uh, this gimmick of hers it being a heel and everything like that, I think it's great. But I feel like Amy Sakura like deserves like something like a win. I I want to see but, Willow get built back up and like do them again. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I'm looking at. She's Athena's really good in Ring of Honor though. Like it's almost yes. it's a real it's a poor statement on AEW's booking that she's so much better. In ROH. I don't know. It's one of those. It might just for some weird reason fit better. It's kind of hard to. There's just something like even her presentations like better and everything. But um, yeah. OK, so our final one of the night, which is going to be another controversial one. So um, Eddie Guerrero versus Kenny Omega. I'm going to just straight up say, like, 
Um, I love Eddie Guerrero, um, but I've like in my estimation, Kenny Omega is the goat. Um, he's proven that time and time again by working with Vertigo. If we want to use any metric like business drawing, like people don't give Omega the credit he's due there because you know he's a large part of why DDT became a player. Um, New Japan had some of their best years ever with him on top. Uh, you know, he's a large part of why there is a viable national promotion in North America again. I would actually say the chiefest reason. Uh, I've got to chew on this. Uh, I will say of the matchups in this, uh, I don't even think that Ric Flair and Terry Funk was a was a more difficult matchup because I, I this is like <laughs> this is the toughest one because they're both so good and they're both as they say generational talents like Eddie Guerrero was so good and if he had survived I think <clears throat> I don't think that by now he would have like still been wrestling like active because he would have been like what he probably would have been like fifty or so uh, he might but, still be he might still be like. You know that's probably. You know what? I bet he. I bet he would be doing like something in AEW right now. Probably. Uh, He'd probably but, be wrestling, and we'd be like, "Oh my god, can you believe that match Eddie Guerrero had with Orange Cassidy?" Oh my god. It. But I don't think he would have been. I well, I don't think he would have been like week to week. But then Jericho was kind of doing the same thing. I. I. I don't know. This. This would have been tough. Um. I feel my gut. For the reasons you said. Brad is is I'd probably go with Omega just because I really do think that in this in certainly in this era or this generation I think Omega is like the best like I think that he there are I don't think there are people out there that are better than Omega in terms of like just getting wrestling and and truly being an actual like top not only a top level talent in terms of like his actually in ring, which is, I don't think, I think it's, he it's, just literally made a guy that made his first appearance, like big appearance in North America and just made him a thing overnight. Yeah. I think that and he it, did that. He's, he's not even, that's the thing when they were talking about his injuries, like remember this Omega is no longer in his physical prime. Yeah, no. And he's a guy that, that, what do you have? Like, it's both shoulders? Shoulders, yes, both shoulders. done. His, his, one or both of his knees, uh, I think, scoped. I don't think he had, he had a hernia. But yeah. He had a hernia. He had severe vertigo. Like, yeah, he so had, he's probably he's, had his neck janked with a lot to get the vertigo to go away. And I don't even know if that's fixed. Like, he could still have some. Yeah, and I'm, but he was saying, like, he would have to go, he would have to go through, like, physical therapy, like, two or three times a day. And not, and, like, Oh, I'm going to do 10 minutes of it. And this no, is the you'd thing be like doing like an hour or two hours. You go through it a lot. And this is yeah. the thing. My, my, so my, my, my cousin does PT. Like that's his profession. And we were talking about this at Thanksgiving. And he said, he literally does not know how it's humanly possible that Omega does that because he works with people with vertigo. And he says like, it is debilitating for almost all of his patients. Like it's, um, he says he doesn't know how he was doing that stuff with vertigo. He, he's just on another level in terms of like who he is as an athlete and, and just genetically. And like the cardio he has, like, <laughs> I don't think, and I mean, 
Shad probably knows the signs better, but I don't think I've ever seen that guy even like get remotely like winded in a match. No. Like and he, he's like, there's times where it's like, is he even like a hu- like is he even like a human being? He's he ain't blowed up, brother. But you know, see the other. Uh, go ahead, Matt. I I'm sorry, Shad, to cut you off. The other no, thing I was gonna okay. say, like, didn't didn't he hasn't he also said, uh, I don't know if he's like blowing smoke at people's behinds and or just you know not kind of diminishing things, but I think he's even said like, oh yeah, like I uh, I I'm not. I'll never be back to 100%, which might be true. Like, it might be true that he won't be, like, that way again. But, I mean, he's so smart about it, though, that I think he could... I think he could... I think I think if he, even if he was, like, 75%, I think he would so alter his style that people wouldn't even know. It. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, like, let's assume that he... Take it at face value that he isn't. It's like, then, if he's at 75%, his 75% is leagues better than most everyone. Yeah. And I know, I, I look, I'm also, like, biased against the guy, but I'm sorry. I, I personally do not do not in any way believe that Will Ospreay is better or at the same level as Omega. Like, no. no. You know what my why I say that is? Will Ospreay wrestles the way people accuse Omega of wrestling. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. Because because Shad will straight up say that Omega is not his cup of tea, but Shad will also you can also tell when people are saying things about Omega, you can hear Shad like bristle like <laughs> online when we're talking to him because Shad will say he's not my cup of tea, but you're full of shit. Like he does this, this and this that are all good. Like, I just don't yeah. prefer his style. Like, I, I know full well that Kenny Omega I don't know if it's a New Japan style thing or if it's just how he works. It, I don't, in, I don't love it, but I also can't deny it. There's, there's no way I can deny it. You know, someone who can't work doesn't sell out. I know it's the meme, but doesn't sell out the Tokyo Dome multiple times. You know, uh, Japanese fans are like way discerning about this stuff. There's there is no possible way that I can look I can I can let that go and, and be like, oh, no, no, he's not actually that good. It's like, dude, stop. The and, gimmick's old. And like if you watch his matches objectively, even if he's not your cup of tea, like his matches are all good. Even if they're not necessarily your cup of tea, you can still like I've watched movies before or TV shows. I'm like, yeah, that show's good, but it's not my thing. Like, I think. If you're objectively looking at that, like you can't say the Brian Danielson match was bad. You can't no. say like the Christian Cage matches were bad. Um, the Rich Swan match, like which Chad hasn't seen, but that's literally a guy blowing up to the point that he can barely move, and Omega just wills him through like another ten minutes of match. Okay, I tried watching Breaking Bad. I tried watching Mad Men. I recognize they're very good. <laughs> But they're not my thing. I don't like shows where like all the main characters are raging. Yeah, it, I I need I need I really like having a main character I can root for. But and, and in the same way, I don't love the way the young bucks wrestle. You know, they've got that West Coast PWG tag style, and that's that is 
no big shocker for anybody that's listened to probably more than five of our episodes. It's not my thing. I can't deny them being good either. Yeah, but there's stuff you, but there's things you compliment the Bucks on, like they, yes. their their healing. You you do say like I really like their healing. And they sell well too. I can say that. I can say they're not my thing, but I can recognize you know, <laughs> not like I've got you know they're playing four dimensional chess and I was playing Parcheesi or something, but game still recognizes game. I'd like to think, but even with all of this being said. I would still take Eddie because number one, Eddie just see he was a better fit for me. Number two, I know that Kenny does a lot of work, especially with the women's division, trying to help them get better, that sort of stuff. But it feels to me like Eddie was better about teaching other guys. And if you're someone who is naturally so good at something, if you're naturally really gifted at it, you can't teach that to other people because they're not naturally gifted at it like you are. It's like, well, how do you get there and do it? You just do it. It's like, no, 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 you got to talk me through it. It's like, no, you just do it. It's like, you just do it. That's why um, I – to go with what and, you're saying, I think that's why the best – like when you look at like the guys that end up being trainers and like have a really like prolific training career, it's all like low-end mid-carters and job guys that end up churning out like really good students. There is a, the reason why I think that um, Albert – first of all, I think Albert ended up being a far superior trainer to Bill DeMott because he's not a raging dick. Yeah. But Albert was very solidly mid-card. He, he was successful. He wasn't top of the mountain guy, but he was successful. He was successful on two continents also. So, you know, I have far more reason to believe that he's a, you know, he's going to be a good trainer. In the same way, there's lots of stuff that Eddie could do naturally, but he could also teach other people's stuff. And I'm not saying that Kenny can't. Do not hear me say that. But and from everything I have seen, from everything I can say and Maybe someone will come up with something to disprove me, and if that happens, that's fine. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But I just have this gut feeling that Eddie was just a little better of a trainer than Kenny, and I just – like Eddie was so good. I know I know. I've said I recognize how good Kenny is. I just liked Eddie more, and – it, it feels like I'm trying to justify myself on something that I, th- I know is a bad opinion, but um, no, I think there's an argument that Eddie was the best of like that generation. Yeah, so that's where I'm coming at. That's where I'm coming from. Is um, I'm going with Eddie here. Um, I think the hard part with that era, though, is a lot of those guys have a bad period because they were all into drugs and stuff. And like, that isn't quite the thing it was anymore. So guys don't have those dark periods anymore. Not the same way. Yeah. Thankfully, uh, very thankfully. I'm glad they don't. Usually it's like just an injury thing and not like, Oh, well they're just fucked up and they can't work. properly. Yeah. Sometimes the return from injuries is tough, but yeah. 
Now, I will say for Kenny, the pro Kenny thing, and he gets a lot of heat for it, but the match he has with a nine-year-old girl is pretty funny, and he takes mm-hmm. good care of her. The fact that you have so, you have somebody who is capable of literally having that good match with a broom in front of people, proving that he can do it, it's like that. That should tell you a lot. And I hate and yet, people using that against him, though, because it's just like yeah. it, like if you watch the match, like if you watch the match unironically, like it's just it's fucking. It's like playing around with your daughter, like and yeah. it comes across the match like that. Correct me. I have heard this said. I don't know if it's true. Did Ric Flair once have a match with a broom just to prove he could do it? I don't know if that's true. I think that's just a saying. I mean, now, Kota Ibushi literally did do that to a degree. Yeah, again, it was just to prove that he could. But, you know, if you use a colloquialism to say, you know, that guy could have a good match with a broom or a good match with a couch or something, and then somebody does it, I think it's disingenuous to get mad at them for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. the only thing that I I have not seen the entire Ibushi match. The thing that I would criticize for it is, dude, don't take three three destroyers back to back to back and kick out. Man, you're killing the move. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, <clears throat> that's I'm I'm still picking Eddie here. I think that's was that the last one. Yeah, last, last one. one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought that would be a fun little thought exercise. I picked some quite insidious ones. Um, Actually, I really like this. I hope we come, we bring it back in the future. Cause I, I'd, w- uh... I was going to do a tag team edition, I think. Okay. The problem is, I, I don't like. I was trying not to do like era, like era specific so much, and I was trying to like get a mix. And there's more I could do with it. I kind of want to do the Terry Funk versus the world thing and see if we can come up who we'd actually take, like, over <laughs> Terry, because I don't think it would be a lot. Um, I, I don't know. Um, on one hand, I agree with you, and then on the other hand, I'm like, I don't know if, if I have enough width and breadth on Terry to 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 go that, that deep with it, but maybe... I know the next time we do it, Rey Mysterio versus Hushin Liger's in my queue. Oh, God. Mm. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, so that one's that one's in the right. ether. All right. Well, I think that about rounds us out on this one. Um, so everybody out there, if... Uh, you know, if you if you differ with it, we'd love to hear if you agree, disagree with us. If you have suggestions that you would like for us to have to choose between, um, please drop them on our social media so we can next time we do one of these episodes, we can roll that in. Um, I'd actually I'd love to hear from from listeners about what those are. So uh, with all of that, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth and we will catch you next time. <laughs>